Good luck, PK. What's up, Zay? How we doing today? Ronald Ellen the Third. I am doing great because I get to do a show with you, even though I miss my mm-hmm. homie Chip Brown, who is on his way as we speak to Tuscaloosa for the game of the year. I mean, I think up to this point, yeah, you could maybe make the argument that it would be Florida State, LSU, that week one match yeah. on Sunday night. But it is Alabama, and it's a brand as big as Texas, and a lot of people believing the Longhorns can actually get it done this year. So I would totally buy that argument. I also prefer regular season games that are at a home stadium versus a neutral site, too. So I think that gives it a slight edge on LSU, Florida State, too. Yeah, yeah, good point. And that game got away pretty much in the second half. I mean, LSU, they were in it, and a lot of people say that they won that half. And then, man, Mike Norvell, that screw of Seminole, they put it on them with Jordan Travis, one of the Heisman candidates. But I'm doing good, man. How you been? Been good. And uh, because it is the end of the 12 o'clock hour, it is now time to hear from Coach Mike Gundy. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are figuring something out. Perhaps all is not lost. But sadly, today is not that day, Zay. Now, you and I are both happily married. So this story hopefully doesn't apply to either of us, but there is a bizarre, bizarre story out of Utah where... Figures. Yeah. Not surprising, especially when the cousins that turn out to be married story comes up. (laughs) They're actually cousins, but they refuse to break up their three-year marriage. As a result, quote, I wish we were joking. The couple has been told that they look alike before, and now it's clear why. The couple claim that they're actually cousins and don't plan on ending their marriage. Ty Lee and Nick Water said they've been married for three years, but somehow have no idea they were from the same family tree. We took to TikTok to address, quote, we wish we were kidding. They said on a video that has been viewed nearly six million times. <laughs> Nick wrapping one arm around his supposed cousin slash wife Ty Lee and they share a kiss too oh gosh story just keeps getting better Leonard Skinner's sweet home Alabama we don't oh have- come on viewers flooded the comment section and demanded a follow up vid from the couple to explain how they're related uh what in Alabama is going on? Some one person said, okay, but now we need to hear the real story. But like how close the cousins, first, second, 10th. And that question does actually matter here. Because if you're talking about first or second cousins, say, and maybe even third to fourth cousins, I don't know how far down you have to go to get to a point where there's enough separation where it's no longer considered incest, which is part of my question for you today of... Let's say you and Jesse found out that you're related going back several generations. What would it take for you to say, you know what? I think we need to re- reconsider this whole marriage thing. Um. Well, thank goodness for this specific topic. My wife is very white, <laughs> super duper white. 
<laughs> my black ass out here looking like Bernie Mac's son or something like that. Like, I don't think we're going to have this problem. And yeah, I divorce instant. Once you find out that you're related, you got to end it right then, which you should know already for a little bit, right? Like you're seeing the same people all the time. Hey, want to come to the family reunion? Wow. I know you. I know you. Grandma knows each other. Like, it all should come back. And in Utah, I'm not surprised. Like, you're talking to a guy that's been watching Sister Wise with my wife for the last two months, which is a terrific show. Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. I know you're judging me right now. Don't sleep on it. That show is classic. But, yeah, Utah people, they're different. They're different. Cal. Say what? Terrific Cal. Um, well, it's one dude who's an absolute loser like he couldn't be the like he's just the biggest lame in the world and then he has four wives and they don't get along they pretend they do but they don't it's just great trash tv me and wax were talking about it he was talking about he watches below the deck which i need to check out and yeah sister wives that's the show if you need anything to just you know clear your mind nothing that's intense you know nothing like succession or something like that just easy free-flowing tv sister wives man i'm putting y'all on right now for real so jay ward says this is a great topic for alabama game week you're right about that jay ward they're maybe not to the degree of arkansas or west virginia but there probably has been a fair amount of incest happening in the state of alabama (laughs) over time but i also need to point this out to everybody if you go back far enough we're all related. And that's why the Oh, come on. Play of how many generations are we talking about here? By the way, this Utah couple, they didn't reveal just how closely connected they are. So I feel like you gotta get to I think they've been married for three years though, and that's a hard thing if you're really into the other person, you find out, oh, we're five generations once removed or four generations. I think when you get to three, that's when you have to start having a serious conversation. Two to one, it's like how, like what you just said. How the hell did you not know you guys were related to begin with, especially with all the questions about how similarly you look to one another? <laughs> Do they look alike? Do you have a picture or anything? Uh, let me see if I can pull a picture up here. Yeah. Okay. Like, all right, let me move this over here and do some screen sharing real quick. All right, can you see that? Yes. They've got, both got the uh, the faded, just smoke too much weed eyes. Bone <laughs> <laughs> structure, too. I mean, the smoke of weed eyes, it's not genetic. <laughs> like, so I don't really... <laughs> they could just be winter, say. True. They, I mean, they're just white. Just look like very happy white people. That's all I see. Very happy, in love white people. Yeah, it could have happened to the best of us. Really happy white people who are banging their cousin. Oh man, (laughs) yo man, it's been a wild day on Texas Sports Unfiltered. I've heard some stuff. Like, what was this? You were on your knees earlier. You know, that's just a little uncomfortable. And then Bucky Gabo of BK was talking about gagging a woman in the restroom. It's just like, come on, I get we're unfiltered here, but we're on another level. No, no, no. Here, here's the thing. I'm not talking about gagging women in the other restroom, but because I'm going to be in this spot for five hours, 
I may have to go down to my knees like right now. And I'm doing that to stretch my hip flexors out because otherwise I'll just be in that same seated position for five straight freaking hours and I'll get up and I'll be moving like I'm 75 years old. I'll be moving like Bucky Godbolt is. <laughs> so I do have to get down on my knees. It's not implying anything. It's just telling you people that I don't okay. have to desk and relax the back just yet. And so we do what we have to to make this whole thing work. Okay, that's fair. That's definitely not as bad as Buck, which he's still calling me while I do a show. Like, that's been happening for years now. The only time he didn't do that is when I was running his show. So he calls me yesterday, and it's like, dude, do you not understand what we're trying to do here? Like, come on. I get it, old man. Don't show your age. You got to know when I'm on. I should have answered it. Just for shits and giggles. Like, I really should have, but I was trying to be professional. You know, I didn't want to throw Chip off or anything, but Bucky G, you got to quit calling me, man, at, you know, terrible times. I appreciate the times where I'm off and chilling, but when I'm working, man, I'm going to start calling him when he's with BK. See how he likes that shit. You know what? I'm starting to think that it's a bit that Bucky is pulling off here. So the next time he calls <laughs> either of us, if that happens over the next two hours, we're answering. All right. We're going to call him to task. We're going to say, you know that we're on the air right now, right? Why the hell are you calling then? What are you doing? Are you just messing with us? You're trying to distract us? You're like the football coach who's like, or the, let's, let's go basketball. You're like the basketball coach who's holding the broom in front of a guy. He's trying to shoot baskets to replicate a uh, replicated defender trying to block the shot. What are you trying to do here? You're trying to be like one of those uh, annoying callers or texters who's just distracting from the show that we're trying to do? To make it oh, man. Yo, who are you training with? Bob Cousy? The broom? They're still using the broom? I'm pretty sure in 2023 they have something that's a little bit more advanced than the broom. But I like where your head's at. Like, you took me back a little bit. The broom. My pops wasn't even doing that with me. Like, that's for real old school. Then CC was missing out because that was an excellent tool to teach you to get that shot up. Get it going a little bit higher versus those Kenny Smith level laser beams that will sometimes go to the rim. Oh, Kenny Smith. I'll say it to this day. If the NBA three wasn't pushed in during the years where the Rockets were winning championships, it might have been different. Though that two feet that Kenny Smith used to, you know, knock down, that's a simple pull up jumper for the average NBA guard nowadays. But back then, you know, and it was, in a way, it was simple, too. That's why they moved it back. But, yeah, that guy definitely benefited off of that. And his shot was flat. I never thought about it. Like, his shot was super flat. It wasn't just flat, dude. He had side spin on the ball. I never understood that because I was a Rockets fan back in the 1990s. I never understood how he made any of the shots that he put up, considering that it was such a low shot. And then also it doesn't have that proper backspin on it. Yeah, I've never had that problem. And I always kept my fingernails like long enough to where I could hear the like flick off the ball where I knew it would have the right rotation. I don't know where I learned that. I might have been like one of dirty ass Red Arbacks classic videos or something. But yeah, like I never understood guys who could actually shoot the rock. 
with the weird spin shot. I never understood that. We had a guy that went to high school with, and he was knocked down, and his shot, Wade McMahon, shout out to you, Wade. He was a lefty, and this shot spun like crazy, but you couldn't leave him open. Lefties can always get it done in a weird sort of way. It's why we're lefties, right? Oh, you're a lefty. I'm ambidextrous. There's some things that I do better left, some things that I do better right. Like even basketball, I am a better dribbler left, but I have a stronger shot with the right. Interesting. Yeah. I have a terrible left, like horrible. I always went right. If I went left, I was going into a pull-up. It wasn't too long. Like, I should I should have worked on my left a little bit more because, yeah, that's a game changer for certain guys. And by the way, I haven't given you your love. You talk about you going five straight hours, you with BK, then with me, which I appreciate, and then Kevin Dunn after this. Yo, I don't know who works harder, you or Travis Hunter. Y'all putting in some time right now, man. You're putting in some serious time. That's that's big. That's, that's that Travis Hunter, I'm going both ways type stuff, man. That, that's a big deal here on uh, Chip and Zay filling in for my guy, Chip Brown, at Horns 24-7. I'll take that comp. The uh, stud from Colorado, one of the top recruits in the country just a couple years ago. Commits and plays at Jackson State and then follows Dion and, of course, Dion's son to Colorado. And they've Accomplished some pretty cool things through one week of the college football season. See, they they riding that high, and it might be literally, Trey, because uh, they're in Colorado. So, you know, when you win, you partying up and you doing some things that maybe you're not supposed to do. But a lot of kids do that are in college. Can they come down and focus on Nebraska? Because Dion's out here on Four Letter Network and Fox and all this other stuff. And it's like, bro, we get it. This is you. But it's week to week. And we've seen a lot of trap games and upsets throughout the years from teams that had very high aspirations and looked really good at first. But I'm, you know... I'm trying to see if Dion could continue and stay consistent with his team. I think Dion is more of a player's coach and more of that hard-ass coach who doesn't give the guys nearly as much relief. Um, I think he's a good mixture of both. Hmm. And I think it depends on who he hired around him. Like, he brought in a lot of good guys, so... You know, certain guys are more of the yellers and I'm going to spit in your face type of guy. And then other guys are, you know, I'm going to put my arm around you and call to you and ask you how moms is doing and what's your girlfriend like. Like there's those coaches, too. And I think Dion, one thing that makes him special, he's very good at both of those things. And again, he hired around him all the above. So there's certain things he doesn't have to worry about, which, again, We'll see from week to week. This could easily change. And, you know, when you start losing, you start getting a little bit more snippy and throwing your clipboard down on the sidelines and just acting out of character. But, yeah, like, how do you not want to play for him? I mean, he's one of the greatest players of all time. The connections that he has, just the swagger, you're getting seen, even though you're at Colorado and, you know, they're clearly not a blue blood, even though they had their very glory years in the 90s. He's making them get blue blood attention. So 
if you know the motivation, the speeches that you hear at halftime, you know, look to your left, look to your right, so tell yourself I believe, all that stuff. Yo, man, that's elite stuff right there. And I think this age of kid in 2023, like it's not the old school kids that you know just weren't on their phone on TikTok doing dances and stuff and you were concerned about them. Like, it's not like that. So I think Dion is perfect for this generation of kids, which is why guys want to play for him. Yeah, I think he shows the right level of love. And obviously he's got some no BS in him, if not a lot of it, because of how much roster turnover happens this offseason, including after spring ball occurred. You saw a number of dudes, including guys who were looked at as key components the upcoming roster who decided to go someplace else and Dion didn't flinch he was like yep see ya what we're doing here is not for everybody and if you don't feel like you can give complete buy-in then you need to find another home no hard feelings either way so I can't wait to see what happens the rest of the way with Colorado this season and beyond I still don't think that they're gonna end up being very good like even though TCU was ranked 17 last week, I think a lot of us saw TCU as a team that was destined to come plummeting back down to earth, which as much as with as much as they lost on the offensive side of the ball and some guys on defense too, on a defense that really wasn't all that good last year, but still an impressive win for Colorado. Nonetheless, going into a ranked opponent's home, winning in shootout fashion when the year before you won a single ball game out of 12. Yeah, I, I think they're going to make a bowl game, but I don't expect those guys to get over 10 wins. And you look at TCU, I talked about this with Wags on Monday who filled in for Chip and uh, Chip throughout the week. Chandler Morris, yo, talk about pressure. I dealt with pressure replacing you at the old place because you're replacing somebody that you have a lot of respect for and does it the right way and is very good at their job. Max Duggan, even though he looks like a daggum serial killer, that dude was nice. <laughs> that dude was, yo, Max Duggan, those, that dude looks like the villain in every 90s Steven Seagal movie. So, you know, that dude, he could really go. And Chandler Morris, who had his job last year and then got hurt and Max Duggan ended up eating, now you're the man and everybody knows that you took uh, Max Duggan's job last year if you didn't get hurt. So now everybody's expected you to be better than Max Duggan. And he looked a little, at times, you know, a little bit of sweat you could see coming off that unibrow. And I hate... That's what you're going to deal with. Like, that's that's just what it is. When you replace a guy that, you know, was the man, it could be tough, especially at that quarterback position. And, I, you know, he'll be better. TCU will be better. Sonny Dykes will get those guys right. But, yeah, man, Chandler Morris, you could see a little bit of nerves with a couple of those throws last Saturday. So what question do you currently find yourself pondering with regards to Texas and Alabama, a game that, of course, kicks off this Saturday, 6 o'clock on ESPN. College Game Day is going to be there. Going to be a bunch of Longhorn fans in Tuscaloosa, too. And Texas gets a good taste of what SEC life is going to be like starting next season this Saturday night. For sure. And you look at both offenses, Alabama's offense and Texas offense, both of those are unproven still. 
even though you brought in so many big guys, big key guys on the Texas side, if you're Sark and C.J. Baxter and Adonai Mitchell, what we saw against Rice ain't going to cut it. It ain't going to cut it. That offensive line who returned everybody, like I'm expecting those dudes, the way Christian Jones was talking, he said that he wants to get the top offensive line award in all the nation. Mm-mm. That ain't going to happen if you have too many of those performances. Quinn, you were sacked three times, and they weren't even blitzing. They weren't even doing like crazy stuff. They were stunting, and, you know, they, you know, they were moving around on the front four, but it was just the front four. They were so worried about the skill positions. They were just letting their defensive line do work. And the fact that guys like Kelvin Banks had problems with that, that scares you because Nick Saban, they're going to dial that up. They watched that film multiple times. They're going to dial that up. Kevin Steele, who's old as I don't know what, this is his third stint with Alabama defensive coordinator. Like that defense scares me, man. They really do. And I heard uh, the Alabama insider on BK and Bucky this morning talking about Dallas Turner might be as good as Will Anderson. What? What? How? How, Sway? Like, ain't no way that dude is as good as the guy that the Houston, Texas traded up to get this year. So if he is, if he shows that with how suspect this offensive line looked on Saturday, there might be some serious problems. And the homie Chip Brown, he said, and he's been talking about all season long, when yours losing all that weight, it's good in some aspects, but in others, like being light in the ass and getting hit and not being able to withstand, you know, certain, you know, certain beating. And what we saw last year, him going down this game by Dallas Turner, that's not good either. So hopefully this offensive line really got it together this week in preparation for Alabama's really good defense. See, I didn't see it as much as Quinn Ewers being lighter and not as adept at taking hits. I saw it as a strange sort of clumsiness. Like when you see a guy lose 15 to 20 pounds of baby fat, (laughs) toes, but, but it's like, Quinn all of a sudden was running around with two left feet out there on Saturday. Like there were at least a couple of sacks that were pressure was there, but Quinn very easily should have been able to avoid the pressure. And he just kind of tripped over himself and ends up falling down for a sack. So I don't know if that's just a matter of them not putting enough work in some of the footwork drills that you expect quarterbacks to go through all off season or something else going on there. It was just, a strange thing to witness. Now, Quinn does still have decent straight line speed, and he has good enough football vision that he sees that if it's a third and seven play, let's say, and he can definitely get himself nine or ten yards, he will take off and do that. And we saw examples of that last season, but especially in that bowl game loss against Washington. And we even saw it on display a couple of times ice last Saturday, too. So whereas Texas is almost always going to have to have someone spy Jalen Milrow, when Alabama drops back to pass, Alabama is not going to be as worried about that. And perhaps Quinn, uh, if he does see that sliver of an opportunity, is able to take advantage and pick up the occasional first down with his legs. But to the point that Chip made and just, you know, everything else that we've been talking about, Quinn has to be ready. And if he's not going to be able to elude the pressure, he has to be ready to get the football out in ways that isn't going to set himself up to 
throw an interception or turn the football over in another fashion versus basically grounding the ball without it being intentionally grounding. Yeah, I hate that shit when he does that. Like he had a couple of times last year where those were fumbles. And it's like, dude, like, come on, man. You can't be this careless with the ball. You know, as, as much as people were critical of Ewer's performance last week, and look, I get it. The deep ball is frustrating. You can't be throwing seven deep balls if that's how it's going to be week in and week out. It's just a waste of a play. Like, pick and choose those times a little bit better. But the fact that he did not turn the football over last weekend, even though it was un, an uneven performance, I think is a sign of progress. But then again, it was just Rice, so we shall see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you got to get the ball out quick. And Sark had a presser today, which I got some notes from that. But one thing that he's talked about was C.J. Baxter and how excited he is for him. And it seems like he's going to be thrown right back in there in Tuscaloosa after after taking that um, weird just fall where he didn't play the rest of the game against Rice. Everything seems okay with that, I guess, ab injury, even though he looked like he fell on his collarbone, which, thank goodness, it wasn't a collarbone injury because we know how gruesome those could be. But, yeah, you got to be able to run the football, man. Like, again, it goes back to the offensive line. I like what Jaden Blue did. I like what Jonathan Brooks did at times, and C.J. Baxter had that run where he got hurt on. But, you know, only 145 yards, that's a height. You know, that's okay. It's just this offensive line, they got to move people. And I like that Cole Hudson's going to be back in the mix. DJ Campbell, it seems like he had a little, um, you know, fall in the rice game. And I think he got a little banged up, but it seems like he's going to be good too. And he's still young and inexperienced. But that offensive line for Alabama, they got a couple of guys that are inexperienced too that I think this defense for Pete Kwiatkowski is going to get after. But at the end of the day, Quinn Ewers has to have a good game. He cannot turn the ball over. He cannot make dumb mistakes. And Sark has to put him in the right situations. We've been talking about that for the last two years. You know, everybody always talks, oh, Quinn Ewers, I don't think he's the guy and this and that, which we're putting him on a crazy pedestal due to his recruiting process and just how big time everybody in their mama said that he was going to be. But Sark, who as a head coach still ain't proven, which a lot of pressure is on him on Saturday, that dude has to put Quinn in better situations. Like, okay, the deep ball, my progression, it ain't there. What else is there? I know things are happening fast, but we got to go through phase one, phase two, phase three. That's why Xavier Wordy didn't get the touches that he deserved last year. And that's why JT Sanders, he didn't get in the mix enough. If you get those guys both involved, especially knowing that Alabama safeties are a little bit gimpy right now and uh, Malachi uh, Moore and Key, both of those guys, they probably will play, but they're not going to be 100%. And they got that freshman out there who's supposed to be all world, Caleb Downs. We're going to test that young fella. Yo, I get it. You're a freshman. We're going to test you. It is what it is. That's the game. That's just how it goes. So those guys being tested by the Jordan Winnetons, the JT Sanders, Xavier Wordy, when he comes into the slot, let's see what happens because Kool-Aid McKinstry, he's a dog. You know, the other corner over there, he's a dog. I'd be a little careful with them and try to attack 
Alabama Crimson Tide up the middle. I see. I think we see both of these defenses trying to pull out the same basic thing when it comes to the opposing passing attack, and that is forcing that opposing quarterback into a second or third read because both guys showed last week that they can make those quick, seemingly easy throws with relative ease because they are just such physical specimens, right? But it's when you start requiring that processing that can really get to younger guys, especially who don't have as firm a grip on the offense. Now, can Jalen Milrow do that? Maybe. He wasn't really tested by Middle Tennessee State last weekend in that regard. We saw a couple of uh, intermediate throws that weren't exactly on the money, but when he was going short and when he was going deep, he was pretty darn good last weekend. So in a sense, he was better than what Quinn Ewers looked like. Quinn was great in the short, even decent intermediate too, but far too many of those deep balls, Zay, and sometimes it was pressure and sometimes it was just, just Quinn and a bad habit that he has on relying too much on his arm strength whenever he's throwing the football. When he doesn't step into those deep balls, though, you're going to see those things hang up. Receivers are going to have to wait for them, and if the defensive back is trailing the route, it gives the defensive back time to catch up and maybe make a play, or even worse for the Longhorns, come up with an interception in the process. Yeah, I didn't like the deep ball one bit. It just reminded me of last year. I know the Adonai Mitchell one probably should have been called for pass interference, but the Xavier Worthy three, those were just terrible. And I get it. You're going to have to throw them just because, you know, Sark talked about it this week in the presser, the three phases of the offense, just the short game, intermediate game, and then the deep ball. You just got to keep the defense honest. But yeah, like this Alabama team, I don't think they're going to be scared of it, especially with the corners that they have. You know, they're not going to be scared one bit. So where do you attack? Where do you take advantage of that? And then on the other side, like you said, Trey, Jalen Milrow, make him prove it with his arm. We know he wants to run. We know what he could do with his legs. But can he make those very tight throws that aren't against guys from Middle Tennessee? You know, this Texas secondary, which we're going to see a true test with them this weekend. I think the secondary has ton of upside on the corners and the safeties. But playing zone, that's clearly going to be your best option. Because if you play man and... This dude, Jalen Miro, takes off. You're talking about 30, 40-yard deflating-ass gains. And, you know, I hope, like, Ethan Burke, game of your life. Baron Sorrell, game of your life. Like, the edge rushers, they got to keep Jalen Miro contained and hopefully keep him on the inside instead of going crazy. But, yeah, like, playing man-to-man, that could be a death sentence for Pete Kukowski's defense. And like you said, they are going to have to spy him and, you know, playing zone with a spy and just trusting that the front four with Trevondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins, they could do enough damage again to the quarterback. Mentioned Baron Sorrell there too. Yeah. So Derek brings up an interesting point here. He said, Why did Quinn say he was purposely underthrowing on the deep ball to give his guys a chance? That was a weird comment. Derek, that is something that uh, you can take advantage of as a quarterback and something that is certainly done at times. But when your receiver is two big steps beyond the defensive back and also has the speed to continue going, you shouldn't be trying to underthrow that guy. You want to put that ball. On or in stride 
so dude can just cruise into the end zone. So did Quinn maybe try that once or twice on some coverage that was pretty tight where his guy didn't have that separation? Maybe, but there were enough other opportunities there where he shouldn't be trying to draw a pass interference. He needs to go for that dagger touchdown pass downfield. Yeah, man, we ain't got Megatron. Like, you do that to guys like that. Right. Guys that are 6'5", crazy athleticism, could jump at the gym. Could, when they play basketball, they can grab a quarter off the top of the backboard. That's who you do that to because you know those 50-50 balls are more 70-30 with those type of guys. Xavier Worthy's light ass at a buck 65? Nah, bruh. <laughs> nah, man. He has him beat. Like, Xavier Worthy had his guy beat a couple of times, and then you see the ball going out of bounds. You see that jump ball like you just mentioned. And those guys, like maybe Adonai Mitchell at times, maybe Isaiah Nayor, depending on the matchup, could do something like that. But uh, we're going to see it, of course, on Saturday. Just hopefully they're more effective than they have been on this past Saturday and last season in 2022. Regardless of what happens this weekend, but especially if Quinn continues to not hit deep balls downfield, Zay, I don't want to see from the insider sites anymore that, well, you know, he's completing these things in practice. He doesn't have these issues in practice. He just wants to take it to the field of play. That reminds me so much of Shaq back in the day. (laughs) Shaq, who was like a 50% or worse free throw shooter for much of his career. You'd always hear his teammates and coaches say, gosh, Shaq shoots 80-90% free throws in the practice setting. Just for some reason, it's not translating to the game. Stop saying it's translating in practice then, because clearly the practice doesn't matter all that much. Yeah, man, that's such baloney. Like, when the crowd's there, when the pressure's on, it's a different game. Some guys are great practice players, horrible game players. Some guys are great game players, horrible practice players. Allen Iverson, like, it just happens. And hopefully, Quinn Ewers isn't a bad game player. We've seen the flashes, especially last year in the Alamo Bowl, but there weren't no real deep shots that game. And it wasn't like Quinn didn't put it on the money. Xavier Wardy dropped a couple of passes in that game versus Washington. So it's... It's there. It's either Quinn throws a bad pass that's off that nobody could catch, or we drop it. You know, there's no in-between, which will give you a game-changing catch. But, yeah, man, you're going to need all of that. And then some What some of the insiders who are at the presser today, Trey, for Steve Sarkeesian, quoted Sark saying, I had all the intentions this Saturday means playing Arch in the Rice game. I didn't think the fourth quarter would go as fast as it did, and I didn't want to put him in there for the last minute and 30 and use a game on that. I think that's fair. And I'm fine, by the way, with Arch not playing at all in that game, too. Like, if he really is your backup quarterback right now, give him as many reps as he needs to feel like he's got a good handle on that particular game because you never know when he's going to be forced into action, when it's not in blowout fashion, right? And Sark also yeah. did say, apparently, Zay, they're not just bringing three quarterbacks with them to Tuscaloosa. They are bringing four quarterbacks with them to Tuscaloosa. That's right. Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, and Charles Wright all traveling with the team to Tuscaloosa. I'm guessing at some point early tomorrow. 
What up, Charles Wright? Terrytown legend, Austin High. Still, Let's go, man. Good for him. He's getting a free education at the University of Texas and getting to be a backup quarterback, which is one of the most popular positions on any college campus. Good on Charles Wright. You think it's free? I think that they did end up giving him a scholarship. At first, I want to say it was a gray shirt, maybe, or blue shirt, where he either had to wait to see if there were enough scholarships available or he had to work his way to getting the actual scholarship. But shoot, if he's from Terrytown. Probably not having to worry about it that much, is he? <laughs> well, I'm just assuming because in my eyes, all Austin High kids are from Terrytown. They're <laughs> a rival with Bowie. So, yeah, man, Terrytown twatters. Remember those guys, some scrubs. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I like that he's bringing all the QBs. One thing that stuck out to me with that comment, Trey, was he didn't realize the game was going so fast or the game in the fourth quarter went that fast, which a lot of coaches around the nation are probably dealing with that because with the new rules and the clock not stopping until the last two minutes of the second and fourth quarter, you know, it's a faster game. Our guy, Kevin Dunn, he put a tweet out how he can't stand it. The games are just flying by, which you and I, we're kind of on the other. I know we talked about, like, these games ending earlier. Hey, we're people who are married, like you and me, we got other stuff to do. It's kind of beneficial. But if you're a college coach that's just getting used to it, we might see it cost some coaches games this year. I look, even as a single guy, I didn't want to watch a four hour college football game. Now, if it was that LSU Texas AM game that goes seven or eight overtimes, whatever it was, that's a different story. But a regular season college football game should got, not get anywhere near four hours. That is entirely too long. Married, single, four kids, one kid, completely barren. That's just too long to have to sit in front of a television for a single game that isn't dealing with extra time play. But I also understand where Kevin is coming from Tuesday. And I even mentioned this criticism whenever the rule was passed. It was either late spring or early summer. Like I feel like they're doing a disservice to that clock stoppage on first downs by only allowing it with two minutes left in each half. Like I feel like they should be extending that probably to five minutes left in each, if nothing else, maybe five minutes to the end of the game, because that is very important in teams getting able to reset and possibly coming back in that one. But would I rather have the rule like this than having it stop on every dadgum first down in the first and third quarters? Absolutely. I would. But I think that there can always be adjustments made whenever you're doing something drastically different. So hopefully they reexamine this at some point and realize that two minutes is not enough. Yeah, for guys like you and I who've been in the business where you might be doing something before and after the game in some type of media, you know, world, it's a lot. <laughs> it, it, it could be a lot. It could be, you know, a little tiring depending on when that game is. But that's interesting that you said five minutes in the second and the fourth quarter. That. That would be very different, but yeah, it's kind of the NFL, which is starting this week. Like it gives me that vibe and I love the NFL. So I'm for it, but I think it's definitely going to 
it's going to cost a couple coaches, you know, some games this year. Absolutely. No, you're probably right about that, dude. And it, on the one hand, it's sad. On the other hand, it's like, well, don't be down by that much at the end of the game to where you need clock stopping on first downs to come back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sark also said in the presser today, I'm looking at this game as a benchmark. Where are we? We've made a lot of strides and we've come a long way. I think last year's game served as a good benchmark and I think it helped us instill some confidence in some players on our team and what they're capable of. I think he's Facts. Like, uh, we, we obviously know very little based on the Rice game. I mean, we can draw conclusions if we want to, but we always have to remember, and this is going to be the case too, after Alabama, it is just one week. And one single moment doesn't, doesn't necessarily define the entire body of work of a season or even a career if you want to zoom out even more. But it will help you understand where you may be right now, just two weeks from conference play getting going in a game that, at least in the preseason, seemed like it may be a tough test for you, traveling up to Waco to face Baylor one last time as a conference foe. Now, that game has a completely different look to it right now after they got their asses kicked by Texas State. And, oh, by the way, they're not very good at quarterback either. People were asking questions uh, about the guy who was starting for them to begin the season, Blake Shapin. That he's likely going to be out through the Texas game with that MCL injury. That Baylor game, oh. I'm not going to call it a cakewalk because that raucous crowd in Waco can make life difficult on the opponent, certainly the Texas Longhorns, but it's not as big of a concern for me as it would have been two weeks ago. Yeah, I agree. G.J. Kenny, man, at Texas State, eat them up cats. Those dudes, I can't believe they still won that game. And they got another tough one this week against UTSA. But, yeah, I, I'm i on both sides of that. You know, there's that part of me that's like you and says, okay, this ain't make or break. I had the horns, you know, losing one game this year. And if it was this game, then I'd be cool with that. But then there's that other side that says, okay, are you SEC ready? Like, this is the test where it shows if you're SEC ready. More so for the coach. More so for C. Sarkeesian. Like, I'm thinking about the players and stuff like that, and it's going to be brand new players next year. But it most likely will be the same coach if something dramatically goes wrong this year. We don't know, but... I expect Sark to be here at Texas when they get to the SEC next season. So where's he at? Where's the whole coaching staff at? The second half woes, are those going to come back? Everybody's talking about, oh, yeah, you know, look what they did against Rice, how they figured it out in the second half. They shouldn't have been in that situation in the first damn half. I ain't trying to hear that. You know, it's same with, you know, Chip was talking about, which I get Chip's doing his job, but he's talking about, yeah, well, Rice, they threw everything at him on a defensive line, where the O-line for Texas, they weren't expecting it. Come on, dog. Come on, man. You make me go Terrence Howard up in this piece. Like, that's a joke. This is rice, dog. Like, these dudes, they're worried about going magnum cum laude. They ain't worried about, you know, defense all the time. They got too much going on. This is rice. This is Bama. They go to Bama to play football and go to the National Football League. So, like, 
coaching has to be there. And we know where the coaches rank in this. You got Sark and then you got Goat Saban. You know, and people talking about he lost his fastball. He ain't got it no more. You don't think that pisses him off? You don't think that people talking about Kirby smart? Oh, man, Kirby, Kirby unlocked the dough. He's got the key. You know, he's the assistant that took it over. So now why not Steve Sarkeesian? You don't think that's going through Nick's mind, man? He's corrupt. He's a sick man. That dude's going to find anything to get motivated. And he's going to let his players know who... Guys like Jalen Milrow who are trying to fill in for Bryce Young just talked about Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. Like, there's a lot of guys on this team. Dallas Turner, can he be as good as Will Anderson that have a lot to prove? A lot of, just a lot of guys that have a lot to prove. And they thought they should have been in the college football playoff last year. So now they're thinking, yo, we can't hold nothing up to chance. You know, we got to win every game to where they have to put us in the college football playoff because this is the last year with four teams and it's hard to get in for some of these folks. So yeah, man, it's, I think it's still a motivated Alabama team and that could be really scary for the Texas Longhorns. By the way, you put your hands apart to show the discrepancy between Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian. This is no slight to Steve Sarkeesian here. We would probably have to rip one of your arms from the shoulder socket and drive it all the way to my place to get a little bit closer to the difference between Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian right now. Yeah, not a shot, yeah. buddy. That's just the reality of the greatest of all time versus a guy who is still trying to figure out a way to consistently beat top 25 opponents and conference foes on the road. Yeah, and I get it, Sark. That's your mentor. That's the guy that puts you on. You wouldn't have this job if Nick Saban didn't get you that chance when you were drinking back in your Washington USC days. Like Saban's the one that gave him a second chance. He talked about it in his presser up there in Tuscaloosa. He's talked about, yeah, I think a lot of people deserve the second chance. That was one of the best decisions I've ever made, bringing him along, one of our best coaches that we ever had when Sark was there at Bama. So I, I get mentors one thing, Trey. Daddy's another. Don't get, don't get loose. Don't get sunned. You know what I'm saying? Don't get sunned where you're intimidated and you look on that other side and you see daddy. You don't want that. You don't want that because the team could feel it. You know, the coaching staff could feel it. The fans will be able to feel it. Like, you don't want that. And Sark, hopefully, keeping those guys with that Jonathan Gannon mentality, head coach for the Cardinals. Hey, I want some fucking killers out here. That's what he said. Excuse my French. That's what he said. You got to have that mentality. And those dudes in Arizona, they trying to tank. But, yo, that dude came from Philly. And those guys, 70 sacks last year, they had that killer mentality. So, yeah, man, you need that. And then some. You got to, the balls got to drop when you go in there this weekend. And if the balls are dropped, then this Texas team has a chance. Undoubtedly. Hey, thanks to all of our sponsors who are big supporters of all the live shows on this channel throughout the course of the day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. That includes, of course, audiovisual consultations, brain bolts, covert bee cave, and alt stat beer. And how about this comment, Zay, from, oh, just got another comment that messed up which one I selected there. Jay Ward, one of the most active people on the YouTube comments line. What is the gauge for being SEC ready in this game? A win, a close game. 
as we know, tons of SEC teams don't go into Tuscaloosa and win. That's a great thought, Jay Ward. Appreciate the question. Thank you, as always, for listening. For me, I think it is showing a hard fight, doing some, doing a lot of positive things on defense, but showing some progression from week one on offense. And even if you don't win that game, if you're able to keep it close and give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter, I think that shows that you are getting closer to being SEC ready with that, of course, happening officially next season. Yeah, if you look at last year's game, 20 to 19, and Bryce Young making that ridiculous play, dodging Ryan Watts to put his team in field goal position to win that thing. If you get another one like that, I'll take it. If you get blown the hell out, that's what will make you nervous because last year was year two for Sark. This year's year three. And this team this year, roster-wise, was better than last year, if you're not counting B. John Robinson in the running back room. But overall, with all the guys that you had coming back and the guys that you brought in, like this team stacks up a little bit more than what we saw in 2022. And... Yeah, I'm I'm just going to need a hard-fought game. Now, obviously, you don't want any moral victories, but hey, like Jay Ward said, which is my guy, not too many teams go into Tuscaloosa and get dubs. It just rarely happens. It don't happen. You know, that dude Saban and that crew, he's going to have those guys prepared. That place is going to be an absolute circus. So, hey, man, Guys, there's going to be some nervous cats out there. And with all the freshmen that you have, I talked about, you know, Caleb Downs being the freshman for Alabama. Saban's going to test the Malik Muhammad's, the Anthony Hills, see what C.J. Baxter's made of. If Jontae Cook gets any clock, see what he's made of. LaFowle, all those guys that you saw early, Derek Williams, we saw him play early. We know it was because Jaron Thompson was out due to discipline reasons, but they're going to get tested. And both teams just have so many question marks. Even though there's going to be talent all over the field, there's just a lot of inexperienced, unproven guys. And, you know, last year we thought that 2019, even with that loss being so close, we thought that the Horns, oh, they're going to win the Big 12. They look like this against Bama. They're going to win the Big 12. Clearly, that wasn't the case. We know what happened. Bijan Robinson fumbles at Texas Tech. We have 30 incompletions against Oklahoma for Quinn Ewers, TCU. You give the ball to Bijan Robinson 12 times. Like, who knows what's going to happen for the rest of the season, win or lose. But yeah, this will show a lot, especially momentum wise, going into the SEC in 2024. Yeah, Jake brings up a good point about what would not be SEC ready, and that is looking like the Arkansas game in Fayetteville from a couple of years ago. If you get your asses kicked like that, not only am I worried about what's going to happen in the SEC, all of a sudden I think every possibility for success heading into conference play has to get knocked down by a peg or two. But to get blown out against Arkansas I under- or against Alabama, I understand the season is not over. It's Alabama. It's in Tuscaloosa. We've all heard the numbers over the last couple of days of how often they've lost games there since Nick Saban took over in 2007. Three of those eight losses were, I think, in 2007, too, which means five losses in something like 15 years. Good freaking Lord. But 
you still need to show a sort of competitive edge. It's not like you are Rice going into this game. You are a Texas Longhorn football team that everybody agrees has one of the best rosters in your conference and seemingly a top five to ten roster in this country, too. So at that point, it's about those guys developing and also being coached up via development, but also with the game plans that are created to try and throw your opponents off kilter, too. Yeah, man. And that offensive line for Alabama, they could get got. Like, they're starting the freshman at left tackle, which if you're Baron Sorrell and you're Ethan Burke, Caden Proctor, number one freshman left tackle in the 2023 class for a lot of these guys who do the rankings. That dude, he didn't play no big-time football. He ain't from, like, you know, the Floridas of the world. He's not a Texas kid either. That dude's from Iowa. So talk about a test, like – Test that dude for real. And you can't have no missed tackles in the backfield. Like Jalen Milrow, that dude's a freak, man. you got to get him down, and it has to be a swarm to the ball. And if you have that, if you play a zone where all eyes are on him and have that guy, you know, spying on him, which a spy could be dangerous at times, so hopefully they're locked in that way. And, you know, maybe somebody like Jalen Ford, who did a good job on Bryce Young last season. But... Bad Jalen Milrow, if he completes a few passes and he shows us that arm is good enough, which I talked about Chandler Morris having the pressure with Max Duggan, Trey. Think about the pressure Jalen Milrow got, man. Like Ty uh, Buckner and Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson, those dudes, if you look at the depth chart last week against Middle Tennessee for Alabama, it said Jalen Milrow or Tyler Simpson. Or Ty Buckner. So that's last week against nobody. Now you're playing a team, like you just said, with the quality of players like Texas. This is the same dude that pulled Jalen Hurts in the national championship game. He don't give a damn about your feelings. If you're not playing well, he will replace you. And I know a lot of Texas fans have PTSD about the last quarterback that got replaced in the game and, you know, Spencer Rattler for Caleb Williams. Definitely Ty Buckner and Ty Simpson. They're not Caleb Williams. We didn't know much about Caleb then. If we knew what we knew now, then it wouldn't be that surprising. But, yeah, like, is PK preparing for that? Is he Or is he just preparing for Jalen Milrow? Because there's a possibility that Jalen Milrow, if he struggles, could go out the game and you're bringing in two other quarterbacks don't, that don't have that same repertoire and they're going to go out there and the offense might look a little different, which, again, if the defense doesn't prepare, they might get eaten up. I'm guessing they're preparing at least a little bit, but they need to be most focused on that quarterback run game. And that is zone reads and RPOs. And I think Kwiatkowski will have them ready to go in that regard. And I feel like if we see a quarterback change, unlike in the OU game, where Caleb Williams comes in for Spencer Rattler, and then both guys helped Oklahoma to win that game, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Spencer Rattler, was that the year before that Spencer Rattler came back in in overtime? I think that was the year before. But Caleb Williams comes in that game and doesn't really look back after that. Spencer Rattler, of course, transfers to South Carolina. I think that what allowed Caleb Williams to be successful in that particular situation is that he was still raw as a passer, but an exceptional runner. And obviously that fourth and one play in Texas OU 
is the glaring example from that particular matchup. If Alabama switches quarterbacks, they're going to a guy who is less dynamic as a runner. So it makes things a little bit easier for that Texas defense. I don't know about um, as much about Ty Simpson, but Buckner sucks, dude. <laughs> Followed his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach from Notre Dame, Alabama. But Notre Dame fans were not lamenting his loss at all. As a matter of fact, they were showing him the door ready for Sam Hartman to step in and look exponentially better as their signal caller. Yeah, both of them played when Alabama had it taken care of against Middle Tennessee. I forget which one got in first. I got to go back and uh, watch that game again. But, yeah, he struggled at times for the Fighting Irish. And Bill Rose their guy. I mean, how can he not be? The dude just has too much juice, and he clearly hasn't seen his full potential yet. Hopefully he doesn't unlock that full potential in this game. But you know who worries me on Alabama a ton? Like, I know Chase McCullen, he's a dude with that 81-yard touchdown last year at DKR. They're tied in. Amari Nyblack, yo, they said that at one point, his miles per hour clocked in at 21, and he's a tight end. And he's 6'4", like 235. They'll spread him out to where it's no longer like a 11 personnel or, you know, whatever. They'll put like a spread formation, and they'll put him as a wide out. And you're like, yo, this dude... He's swift in his cuts, solid release, and he's only a sophomore, so he didn't really get to show what, you know, he could do last season. But C.J. Dupree, I know the Maryland transfer, they got a lot of upside with him or they're excited about him coming in. But watch Armani Nyblack, and hopefully they don't match him up with Dave Benda. Like, I like Dave Benda in certain aspects, covering Somebody like Nye Black, I don't like that one bit. <laughs> I, I really don't. So hopefully, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski could avoid that. But that dude, Nye Black, look out for number 84 this weekend. He could easily take over the game. Yeah, David Bender cannot be a glaring weakness for this defense in a couple of days. I completely agree with you on that. Whether it's in coverage against one of those talented tight ends, or dealing with his run fits. We saw Rice's most explosive gain last weekend come at David Benda's expense, where he lost his guy over the middle of the field who catches a football, gosh, five to seven yards past the line of scrimmage and ends up taking it 30-plus yards up the left sideline. David Benda needs to be on point. Does he need to be this team's best linebacker? No. That should be Jalen Ford. But David Benda needs to do his damn job. Otherwise, Kwiatkowski may need to have a quick hook. And may need to go to Anthony Hill and have Hill doing more in the way of spying Milrow, especially on those obvious passing downs, too. You know, Jake Jake is uh, weighing in that this could be the Ethan Burke legacy game. It's possible. Ethan obviously earned that starting job in that edge rusher position. But I watched him against Rice last weekend, say, and he did have a couple of nice plays, a tackle for a loss. I think he was credited for half a sack, too. He looks like a guy who's probably still a year away in terms of where his weight needs to be to contribute 
on a stage like this against this caliber of competition. Like I see a guy who's put the right sort of weight on in his upper body, but he looks a little bit top heavy right now. And I'm wondering if that lack of leg strength doesn't catch up with them against Bama. But then again, he's going up against that left side of the Bama line, as you just alluded to. They're young over there. They have a true freshman starting at left tackle. Is he the best tackle in the country in the class of 2023? Yes, but he is still a true freshman. Far more often than not in games like this, you see guys shrivel under the pressure versus performing like Kelvin Banks did against Will Anderson last year. And they're also young at that left guard position too, where you have a true sophomore starting right there. So if there is a spot on that line to try and really take advantage of, if you are Bo Davis and Pete Witkowski, it's probably uh, sending multiple guys at the two dudes on the left side of the line. Yeah, and I think at times to try to hide if Ethan Burke, you know, struggles or something, maybe you might go with the three interior linemen, like in the Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy, and a Travandre Sweat, put them all at the line, and Alfred Collins, put them on edge a little bit, just to mix it up, you know, depending on situations. And yeah, Ethan Burke, when you see a white dude that's an edge rusher, everybody always says, Bosa! Oh, he's a Bosa brother! Oh, man! Which, I don't get that. Like, yes, they might have the same complexion, but he could be compared to somebody else. I'm not saying he's Javon Curse or Lawrence Taylor, but you know, he's still coming into his own. Hell, they used to compare me to Detlef Shrimp back in the day, Trey. You know what I'm saying? Like, a little slow-footed where I can knock it down at times. Like, And I take that. People that oh, Detlef Shrimp, that's an insult. No, man, Detlef Shrimp was that dude. Don't sleep. Did you have the Detlef uh, flat top back then? Nah, nah. I was getting the homemade cuts at that time. Okay. Damn you, Cece. Yeah, I, I couldn't get no... If it wasn't a bald cut, I wasn't getting it. <laughs> I wasn't getting it. Which, it worked to both of my parents, you know, favor because I wasn't approachable. <laughs> like, it was just... I looked like I was from Sudan, man. I looked like I was running around with the cheetahs and the elephants and stuff. Everybody was like, huh? So now I got to keep the little hair that I have now. And, you know, I know the hairline might be pushed back a little bit, but I'm still keeping it. But yeah, man, like Ethan Burke might have a little way to go, but he can still, he still made a good play on the sack. I think that he'll be able to use his link. You know, since he's six six, be able to bat some balls down. We saw Alfred Collins use his lean against JT Sanders on Saturday. So if you could just play to your strengths, man, you know, you're not going to beat the guy every time. You're not going to get to the quarterback every time. You're going to miss a tackle every now and then. But just limit those and contain Jalen Milrow on those RPOs and, you know, those just different quarterback reads and stuff like that. Because they're going to draw up stuff for him like – to run the football. They have to. Like, both teams, whoever runs the football the best might win the game. Like, just is what it is, especially with the new rules that we just talked about. So, Alabama already has the advantage with their quarterback doing that, and I know everybody always throws back to the Arkansas game. That's because K.J. Jefferson ran that thing all over them. That was the last time they faced a real running quarterback. I don't... R.J. Martinez, maybe, I guess, the Kansas State game. I guess you could count him. But, 
not like what you know Andre Martinez got benched last year. <laughs> AJ Martinez, excuse me, AJ Martinez got benched last year for Kansas State. I lucked out in that game. I think if they played Will Howard, that might have been a loss for them. But they, Adrian Martinez, played right into their hands and what they were good at defensively at the time. Yeah, that Will Howard not playing changed the season from eight and five. It could have easily been seven and six. Like, <laughs> it could have easily been that. But yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a very exciting game. I can't wait. And you guys, y'all be over at Covert tomorrow, right? Yeah, we're going to be at Covert B Cave. Starting really at about 11 o'clock, Michael Griffin's going to be out there during the 11 o'clock hour. It's going to be another lunch with the Buck. This is going to be happening all season long, usually the Friday before home games. But because the Alabama game is a much bigger deal than Rice, we decided to kick things off, no pun intended there, with the Friday before the Alabama game. Come on out to Covert B Cave. My goodness, there are so many different badass automobiles out there. My son came out there with me before pregame last weekend, and he was just marveling at all the trucks. He's huge into pickup trucks right now. I don't know where he gets that from, Zay. I'm just a a Honda Pilot driver myself. (laughs) Every type of car that you could look for, GMC, uh, Cadillac, and plenty more. Yeah, come pay us a visit tomorrow between 11 and probably 1 o'clock. At some point, BK and I are going to have to duck away to our covert studio I don't mean that in the uh, covert sort of way but i guess it works in that way too but bk and i'll be doing our show from 12 to 1 hard out there from 11 to 12 we love to see you as well and thank you to covert for all of the support they provide texas sports unfiltered okay zay we're gonna get back to texas alabama in just a little bit certainly gonna talk some nba as well but we just received this via Chris Bennett on Twitter having to do with a lifetime Longhorn basketball player who's now earning an NFL paycheck and apparently went a little off the deep end on Twitter with regards to his current team potentially trading him. I'm sure you know this. I did not remember it until seeing it just now. But what team is Ty Jones on? Charlotte. Has he been very good through what, a season, maybe two seasons with the Hornets so far? Um, I want to say it's, yeah, I guess it's two years. He's coming on his third season. Uh, he's been in and out the G League, you know, with Kai. One thing that he was going to benefit on going to the Hornets originally was LaMelo Ball playing because LaMelo Ball is such a good point guard and such a good lob thrower and passer. Somebody like Kai Jones, that's a really good roller on the pick and roll. He would excel playing with LaMelo. Problem is, LaMelo Ball's been hurt the whole time Kai Jones has been there. So they've been really bad and he's just been going in and out the G League because, you know, they in a way been trying to tank. So, yeah, Kai Jones, I still think he could have a good career, but I know the video you're about to show me. Who knows at this point? Okay, so I haven't seen this video yet, so just you're forewarned now. If you are watching on the YouTube feed, if you're listening on the free app, then buckle up. Kai Jones, by the way, immense physical potential. There was never a question about what he was capable of physically, but you saw, and, and by the way, this isn't faulting the kid. He's He'd only been playing basketball for a handful of years before getting to Texas. 
he just didn't understand the sport all that well. There were times where he would like just step out of bounds for no good reason. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like that's off the court right there. But that's what happens when you don't spend your life uh, saturated with the sport. You get good at it because of uh, because of your frame and your overall athleticism. There is uh, going to be a learning curve there. So here's Kai Jones addressing rumors, perhaps, or the possibility that the Hornets might trade him and let me get the share screen set up here all right here we go guy jones a goat time out there i'm in a goat day i had to do drugs or something <laughs> no <man. laughs> oh, my greatest days of all time was in the long jump pit boy i myself mother i'm about to get traded. Uh, i don't think so <laughs> i just met with mr day i don't think i'm getting traded. <laughs> So I think the hornets are very high on me. If I get that call on my phone, I will pack my bag. But I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. The niggas hit him, so just talk to Mr. Day. If I talk to him, he said he likes me. Huh? The lap up, yeah, you wanna keep me with the lap up, man? Niggas weird, man. This playing ball, having fun, man. I'm hot as LeBron, though. Okay. The goat time, oh yeah. There we go. Okay, Kai Jones having some fun this NBA offseason, dyeing his hair and perhaps indulging in psychedelics too. Total hypothesis by me, but it looked like Kai was not exactly in a completely sober state of mind there. Yeah, is that Kai Jones or the old creator of Flex ATX? Because that's who I completely thought it was. He was wearing Zay, so I guess that's a question that will be left unanswered. Yo, man, look, I get it. I, I get it. You know, sometimes, you, you know, you just got to let loose. And what's, what was he? Was he speaking in Bahamian? Bahamian? Yeah, he is a Bahamas. Okay. So, yeah, there was a little bit of the, I know you call it a patois when it's Jamaica. Is that, is that still the term when you're talking about the Bahamas accent? I don't know. I don't think, I mean, I've definitely heard a Bahamas accent, but I ain't heard anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like he was on something. I don't know if he was. So, Kai, if that's just your natural energy, well, good luck with that. But considering that you had just dyed your hair, uh, that kind of hornet shade of blue, and the dye is all over your hands and all over your face, and you're drinking, are we sure that was milk? Was that it looked like coconut water. Was it water? Okay. Yeah, it looked like the coconut water. Sweating profusely. Yeah, there's something a little more going on. I guess he was, was he hosting a TikTok live there? I didn't even see what the platform was, but... I may want to stay off of social media for the rest of the offseason. Yeah, that was Instagram. Yeah, Kai, Kai probably wants to go the way of champ kind and sit, sit the next couple of plays out until uh, NBA training camp gets going here later this look, month, early October. Look, Kai, Aaron Rodgers made drugs cool, dog. And he's one of the greatest of all time. So if he could do that and throw the darts and put it in the bread basket... Like I've never seen before, 
on crazy stuff, drugs that I didn't even know were to, were around, like stuff that the kids at Austin High be taking in Terrytown because they can afford it. If he's doing that and able to be productive like he is, then why can't Kyle Jones, you know, dabble a little bit? No, the kids in Terrytown, let's go ahead and throw Westlake in there too, are actually taking the trip to South America to get the authentic ayahuasca plus experience. Do you know what ayahuasca is supposed to do to you, by the way? Do you remember the recap from when Aaron Rodgers talked about this on Pat McAfee a couple years ago? No, I once he said ayahuasca, I just thought it was a wild trip that he went on. Kind of like shrooms. Supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed to be something like that. But you also profusely shit yourself and typically like vomit all over the place too for a good portion of this life-altering experience. But it cleans you out. Like that's the point. It like cleans out, you know, you're a health freak. It has to clean you out and something like a detox. Yeah, but I think there's ways for me to clean my system out and not just completely shit myself in some hut. Maybe that person on Delta took some ayahuasca before the flight. <laughs> you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but you could be right. It makes that story makes no sense otherwise. I don't care if you do have to go to the bathroom that badly. Not only was it a woman, which I think is one of the greatest upsets since Patriots over Rams in the first part of this century. But she was also wearing pants, too. And it's like you go from perhaps a skirt or a dress to shorts, and then you can kind of understand the drippage going for literally like 30 to 40 steps all the way to the bathroom. So you wearing pants and somehow there being that rancid, liquefied human excrement up and down the aisles to the degree that the pilot feels the need to turn the plane around over the Atlantic Ocean because of a biohazard, she might have been on, I don't know if you call it performance enhancing there. I guess if the performance is shitting yourself, then it is a performance enhancing drug like ayahuasca. Yo, if that was my wife or a woman, I'm let's say wife because we're both married. I'm not getting a divorce, but I'm taking some time off. You won't see me for a little bit, honey. I'm sorry. You you won't, you won't see me for a little bit. I'm just going to leave. You're not going to know where I am. And I'm not going to tell you when I come back because there is no coming back from that. Like, homegirl, I don't know what you ate. If it was the ayahuasca, you know, I who knows? If she had ponchos before she got on the plane, like, I have no idea. But that's unacceptable. Any woman... I don't care. It's unacceptable. What if it's this? I just thought about this. First person in America who has talked about this story, who's bringing up this as a possibility. And I don't know how these things work, so it could just be delusional. What if it was like a leaky colostomy bag? Okay, that's different because she clearly has some type of medical disease or something like something's not going on with her whole body. I, I get that. That's not as bad. Well, I think she has that regardless. It's just a matter of uh, <laughs> how well documented it is with the colostomy bag. 
Oh my god, that's absolutely disgusting. That's disgusting. But yeah, man, NFL starts tonight. You ready? <laughs> nice transition there. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I've learned from the best. NFL starts tonight. You're right. Kansas City Chiefs hope to make it back-to-back Super Bowl championships. <laughs> And they start things off with a Detroit Lions team that has become a fun franchise to follow over these last couple of years. Now, I have to admit, I'm bummed out. Jamal Williams is one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's no longer a part of this Lions roster. As a matter of fact, they have a completely revamped backfield now. David Montgomery comes over from the Chicago Bears. Jameer Gibbs, the first-round draft pick of the Lions out of Alabama. That dude is sick able to take it to the house on pretty much any play, and they plan on deploying him in a variety of fashions too. But I think there's an opportunity there for the Lions tonight, Zay, not to say anything about what Kansas City will or won't accomplish this year, but I think Kansas City is a little bit down right now in game one of that Super Bowl title defense because they're going to be without Chris Jones, who may be watching that game from a suite in Arrowhead, Kind of a bizarre look. And then also Travis Kelsey's status being up in the air. He did go through some drills at practice earlier today during a walkthrough. But is he healthy enough to make the sort of impact that we've all become accustomed to with Travis Kelsey? If not, the Chiefs are pretty far behind the eight ball regarding the immense physical talent of both guys on each side of the ball. Yeah, and Chris Jones, I don't think he gets enough credit for how dominant he is. And, I mean, if it wasn't for Aaron Donald dominating that position for the last decade, then Chris Jones would be that number one guy for the last decade. And I think he deserves to be paid. So not having him to anchor that defensive line, that's definitely going to hurt. And I'm a Jamal Williams fan, too. He is such a cool guy. The whole anime vibe and stuff like that. And he doesn't take himself too seriously in the game. That is very serious where guys are put under a lot of pressure. He just goes out there and says, yo, this is what I did in Pop Warner, and I'm going to use that same, you know, fun, loving energy. I'm going to bring it to the game. So I think they're going to miss him. But Montgomery, can he live up to the expectation that he had coming out of Iowa State? Jameer Gibbs, they went so high to get him. Like, what you're telling me is you're at a win-now spot with your offense. Like, he's that missing piece that you felt, to put y'all over the hump and maybe win an NFC North title, which who knows the last time Detroit did that. I don't know if they're even doing that with the Stafford Megatron days. Cause again, it's Detroit. I don't remember too many playoff games that they've had in my lifetime, but Dan Campbell, his energy is terrific. I think he has a good coaching staff behind him. I think Jared golf uh, is very motivated. You know, I talked about this with chip. If you're, if you see the team that you came from win the Super Bowl for the guy that you got traded for, that has to piss you off and get you into the lab 24-7 because you want to prove everybody wrong. And he had a very good year in 2022, and he also got slept on. So, yeah, I'm taking the Lions tonight. I know 15's on that other side, and he might be one of the greatest of all time, but... If Travis Kelsey doesn't play, which if I was Kansas City and Andy Reid, I ain't playing that dude. He's too valuable. Like y'all are, there's not too many teams that have 
Super Bowl aspirations for real. Everybody says they do and coach speak and motivation talk, bull crap. Like only a couple of teams in the NFL have a chance to make that game in Las Vegas come early February. So having Travis Kelsey healthy throughout the season, that's going to give you the best chance to do that and plan them in a meaningless week one. That would be very dumb for a guy that's 34 years old. He's not going to bounce back like he's 24. He's 34 now. So you got to be very careful with him. And his value is just too high. Like this dude's getting compared to Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, the Shannon Sharps of the world. And he should. He deserves that. Like he is absolutely special. He's changed the game and changed the way that we look at tight ends and, you know, how they get paid and stuff. So. Don't I wouldn't play him tonight if I was a Kansas City chief, you know, front office guy, the medical staff, but they still have enough to cover and win the game. Yeah, you're right about that. Another guy on offense for Detroit that you should watch out for this season is Amon Ross St. Brown, a guy that uh, over the last couple of years now, there haven't been many other dudes who have put up as good of receiving receiving numbers as Amon Ross St. Brown. Two guys that you can make that argument for. Justin Jefferson, obviously, and then maybe Jamar Chase, too. But then again, Jamar Chase missed a big chunk of last year with what I believe was a hip injury. So he is going to lead a receiving core that is talented, but unfortunately maybe not as talented as they could have been had they not experienced a handful of guys getting suspended for gambling, including Jamison Williams, the former Alabama wideout who uh, I forget what his suspension is right now. I forget if that's six games. Six or six, maybe seven. Yeah, so he's going to be out in the meantime. Josh Reynolds, former uh, Texas A&M wide receiver, who has done a nice job in the NFL. He is another wide out, as is Marvin Jones Jr., too, a guy that seems like he's been doing it for a decade at this point. I think it's been a little bit less than that. But it's a talented receiving core. Montgomery, he's a bell cow for you. I expect Jameer Gibbs to have a larger role as the season wears on. So this is an explosive Lions offense. You talk about Jared Goff really wanting to prove the haters wrong. Remember, he is a former number one overall draft pick. And they're also compiling pieces on defense too, Zay. And like I said, Dan Campbell, even going back to that first year where it felt like they were getting their heart ripped out each and every week on last second field goals or touchdowns, They were competitive in year one, even though their record sucked. Last year, you saw progress. They didn't quite make the playoffs, but they were competitive to the end, including that win over Green Bay that knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. That's when we got that Jamal Williams postgame interview that is legitimately one of the best postgame interviews at all times, where it starts out so heartfelt and sentimental, him talking about doing this for his granddad who had passed away. And then it turning into him talking trash and saying, don't you ever doubt the Detroit Lions? I mean, it it took a turn that Bohemian Rhapsody found itself jealous of when it was all said and done. Yeah, Jamal Williams, they're definitely going to miss him in Detroit. And I think New Orleans is going to benefit having them in the boot. But yeah, Dan Campbell, I think just his moxie and his energy is infectious. And, you know, sometimes he can look like a meathead and one of those, you know, he might have one of those Tom Herman moments where he bangs his head on a 
player's helmet or something like that. Hopefully that doesn't happen. It's the NFL. That would be even more disgraceful than what Tom Herman did in that Baylor game during his Texas tenure. But yeah, I, I think it's wide open for the Lions to win that North. Like Kirk Cousins, even though they won it last year, Minnesota Vikings. Sorry, Bucky. I know that's your team. Those guys are still Kirk Cousins. That defense who lost Eric Kendricks, their best player, maybe they were trash last year. <laughs> and now, you know, I like Jordan Addison, but no Dalvin Cook either. Like, where is it going to go for them? And you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, who we had his pops, John Brown, last week, um, Chip and I. That dude, you could tell why Amon Ross so tough. Like, John Brown, he don't play. And he didn't play raising them. And that dude, Amon Ra, like, if you've seen different interviews of him, that dude, talk about chip on your shoulder, he knows all 16 wide receivers that went before him in that draft. So he, he has something to play for every time he steps on the field. And I think they have a lot of guys like that over in the Motor City. So, yeah, I like them tonight. And I like them in the NFC North. Like, Justin Fields, I think he has a ton of potential, but I think they're still a couple of seasons away. And then you got Green Bay, Jordan Love, like... I mean, is he going to be the next Aaron Rodgers? We know that the backups that wait a little bit have had success like Rodgers did with Favre, but I don't think it's going to be the same. I think the pressure might be a little too much for him. And, yeah, they're going to take a step back for Matt LaFleur's team. So, yeah, I like the Lions this year on making it to the playoffs. And I know it's been a drought for them, but Detroit, they might have a little bit to celebrate this year. Zay, I hate to ask this of you. My dogs are starting to bark. Can you give me a few minutes to go take care of these mongrels? I may try and put one of them up for adoption while I'm at it. But uh, can you give me a Yeah, call? man. Thank you. Yeah, take care of it. We'll get to some live reads while Trey is gone. Shout out to Dr. Eckert. Dr. Eckert's been around for a long time, doing a hell of a job. The general dentistry, advanced dentistry, sports dentistry, they will take care of you and having you with a beautiful smile that you want. You don't want no crazy, just buck tooth smile. You want that beautiful, the veneers, anything. Keep them straight, widen. They'll do it all at Dr. Eckert. Give them a call at 512-345-3166 or check them out at DrEckard.com. And Dr. Eckert has also done a big-time job with Brain Vault. Brain Vault, revolutionary mouth guard that's been helping all type of athletes. It doesn't matter what sport you play in. I know we talk football most here on Texas Sports Unfiltered, and you think about that with Brain Vault, but you can use it for basketball. You can use it for hockey, baseball, whatever. Brain Vault will have it hold held down excuse me and if you're in the greater austin area parent coach grandparent check it out it's as safe as possible all the stats on it have been terrific brain fog will hold you down dr eckert will hold you down all right trey i got something i'm gonna try for the first time the shared part of our stream yard. I haven't done it with Chip yet because we're still figuring things out. We're only two and some change weeks in. But a certain GOAT coach right now is going through some real life shit. 
Yeah. Bill Belichick going through it. His woman or ex-woman, should I say, Linda Holiday, they're donezo. Split up. He cut her off. This is why you don't marry folks. He ain't got to go through no papers or something. He could just throw her out and move on to the next. But yeah, she's a looker. And Bill, he was way out of his league with this one. I ain't going to lie. Like money will obviously take you a long way. Success will obviously take you a long way. And Bill, I know you had Tom Brady, but Linda, that might have been your best kid of your life. So the fact that you let her go, dog, not a good look in one way. But not only does he have problems, Trey, the New England Patriots are very scared because, oh, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, he's lucky he's a head football coach because otherwise there's no way he is landing himself a an attractive blonde yoga instructor, which is what she is. She's a yoga instructor? I believe Sorry, I'm trying to find this picture of her. That was her previous career. I mean, now she's just Bill Belichick's girlfriend. Yeah, definitely not a wife. I mean, this is the closest. The picture that I'm looking at right now is the closest I've ever seen Bill Belichick actually smiling. <laughs> It's like a pained grimace. Yeah, you might have to pull the picture up for the people because on my side, it ain't working. Delete that Jones video now. All right, let me try and pull the picture up. Share screen. Look at that. I mean, Bill is almost smiling right there. And he's got her. Yeah. What is that? The Kentucky Derby that they're at? She's got a derby sort of hat on. A little bit of mesh coming down. I mean, that's not the best picture of her, but she is still. Oh, she's definitely on that gilf stuff. That's for sure. And yeah, and the the Patriots are worried that she's going to leak some stuff. Like they're concerned about what she might post after the breakup. So obviously being the pervert I am at times, I just can't help myself. I'm thinking that Bill might have put her in a worn Teddy Bruschi jersey on some foreplay type stuff once upon a time. And she might have been not down with that or over that. And Bill said, I can't do this no more. If you're not going to give me what I need to be safe. You can't tell me Bill Belichick on just the darkest side you could get off the field don't look a little bit kinky. Like, if Zion Williamson's out here being kinky, why not Bill Belichick? So, yeah, put her in that Teddy Bruschi throwback jersey and have her dance around for you and stuff like that to some I love rock and roll and get it on. Why not? What's wrong with that? I think Bill Belichick gets his rocks off thinking about all the different positions lacrosse guys could fill in on the football field. I don't know how kinky he is in terms of role-playing, but if he is going to role-play Zay, maybe he's imagining himself as Tom Brady and imagining her as back when they were together. I can't even think of how it would sound if Bill Belichick was to try and do any sort of dirty talk. Come on, baby, give it to me. Use <laughs> your daddy. 
That's what I'm saying. So you have a good point there because he's so... (laughs) Yo, if she leaks the sex tape, I'm watching it. I'm sorry. Like, I have no shame at all. I would watch that thing from start to finish. I would critique it just like we are going to critique this Alabama game. We would come back next week and talk about it. Like, yo, if Bill Belichick has a sex tape out, come on now. I changed the game. And yeah, like maybe she broke up with him. I always think, I'm, you know, I'm going crazy talking about him breaking up with her. Maybe she cut it off with him because he probably ain't the happiest since Tom Brady left, since, you know, he ain't winning no more. So if he's going to be a dick all the time, then why stick around? He's already doesn't have the best personality to begin with. I'm surprised he even had a woman. So why stick around if you were Linda? Now I'm wondering just how weird it's going to get for Bill. Because if it, if it goes weird, if he's not just like a missionary and done sort of guy, then it gets super weird. Like Bill's in the begging or like some German Scheiser video level stuff. <laughs> weird in ways that none of us have even come close to. Or most of us, I should say. Some of us are sick out there. Wow, you think she's just throwing Bill on the bed with a and strapping on the glizzy? Man. <laughs> no, it's a possibility. Like if Bill Belichick is, is gets weird in the bedroom, I'm telling you, it gets super weird. It gets like Frank from Always Sunny weird. Well, I know you and BK, y'all talk about cucking a lot. Yeah. What might be into that? Might be into that. If Bill is into cucking, if Bill is the cuck, it's because he's got the iPad off to the side and he's trying to design another play. Here's the problem for Bill Belichick, though. He doesn't even have exceptional coaching to lean on anymore. Like, his Pats teams haven't been all that good in these last few years since Tom Brady left, and there's common thought now that Belichick's really at the end. I mean, with the move that he made with his offensive coordinator or lack thereof last year, it's like, dude, you're too smart for your own good. Or you, you've got way too much arrogance going on here. Like, it takes more work than what you're putting into it. Now, granted, their defense was still solid, and they were great at forcing turnovers and scoring points, too, at times. But that offense was a complete train wreck. I don't know how much Bill O'Brien coming in as the play caller, coming back in as the play caller, I should say, is going to change that. Because the other problem that you're dealing with as a Patriots fan is Mac Jones comes across as a bit of a bitch at times on the field. Now, I understand his frustrations last year, but by the same token, he's got that same whiny, pouty face and also his actions to go along with it when he's upset with his teammates that is very reminiscent of how Jay Cutler used to act in Chicago. Yeah, and you would think with Mac Jones, like, I get it to a certain extent. You're not used to losing, cuz. Like you, you were with Nick Saban losing. It's, you know, it's harder for some guys that get thrown into the fire. And, you know, again, I talk about pressure all the time in a way he's replacing Tom Brady. 
with, you know, the Patriots not taking a quarterback that high and taking him in the first round. And I'll give him the benefit of doubt a little bit. If Matt Patricia is your offensive coordinator, I'd be throwing bitch fits and tipper tantrums uh, too, because that was a disgrace. That was an absolute joke that backwards hat son of a B. Like he has no right to be coaching offense. And that definitely regressed Mac Jones. So now Bill O'Brien coming in, it's better you know, but that division is just so intense. It's a gauntlet. Like, how can you not put them in last place? They're going to surprise teams, but, you know, they're going to most likely get fourth. It's just the Dolphins have too much. The Jets now have Aaron Rodgers and all that they have on the roster. And then the Buffalo Bills are the Buffalo Bills. So it's going to be tough for New England. But, hey, another thought, Trey, if – Belichick and Linda were into some cuck stuff, and Linda says, yo, that Ezekiel Elliott looking a little tasty. That might have been it for Bill. I'm just imagining that Zeke has something that's not going to rub off, you know? Catch my... Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying... I'm just saying, this is, this is, you know, I thought they were happy, man. I thought they were happy. I thought, I thought he was treating her like how Oprah treats Stedman. Like, yo, we're not going to get married, but you, you always going to be around. You always going to be on the team. You know, you might not get that limelight that I get, but you're always going to, I'm going to take care of you. I just don't do the marriage thing, but women are different. Like men are different. Stedman. That's my dog. He's the goat, in my opinion. Like, what he's doing, we, he never has to get dressed. He barely has to go to events. Maybe once a year you might see him, at best. But now he's getting older, so he could use that as an excuse. Oh, my back hurt, baby. I can't make the uh, I can't make the Academy Awards tonight. I'm sorry. And then once Oprah walks out that door, that fool back on his draws, watching, you know, Comedy Central and all types of shit. So Stedman, he the goat, but that's a man. Women, they want that rock. They waiting for it. You know what I'm saying? So, Bill, if he taking his time and stuff, then, hey, Linda has every right to move on to someone else. Somebody that's has a little bit more pe- uh, pep in their step. Somebody that's a little bit more joyful, smiles, has a good time. I think that's a little bit more appetizing than Bill Belichick's doll self. I think it's fair to ask, was Bill Belichick married previously? Because if so... And I say this as somebody who never wants to get divorced myself, but if it were to happen, if Justine were to finally realize that she's way better than me and dump me, I don't know if I would ever get married again. That might be it for me. I gave it one go. I'm in my, let's say, early 50s now. Like, I'm done with that bullshit. We can be together and that's fine. We don't need the, uh, we don't need the state or the federal government. I guess it's uh, your local municipality first and foremost. I don't need anybody telling us how much we love one another with some paperwork. Yeah, he was once married. They divorced in 06. Debbie Clark Belichick still has the last name, I guess. So Bill Belichick, who is a uh, pretty low BS dude to begin with, is like, if you love me, you love me. We don't need, we can have some sort of party to celebrate our love for one another. Maybe we can do it on a big anniversary or something, but we don't need to stand up in front of everybody and exchange vows necessarily. We're in our... What is he, in his 60s? She's probably in her late 50s or early 60s. 
Like, those are just trivial games that younger people play, is what he's probably telling her. Yeah, man, that dude. I want to hear more information. I hope she leaks it. I really do. Like, they're really concerned up there in Foxborough that she's going to leak some information that could get Bill rattled. And how many years does he have left, really? Especially if they don't win. Like, is he that type of dude to where he's just going to die before he ever retired? Or does he is he going to realize that, man, I'm not... I want to enjoy life. Like it's always been cracking down into the playbook and watching film and everything that it takes to be a very successful NFL head coach. Like that's all he's had. Literally, he won three Super Bowls, then got divorced. <laughs> like that's what this dude is. And now a woman like that, again, she looked good. Like Bill, you were doing well. So she left you for a reason, and now that the front office and everybody in that franchise is a little nervous about what she's going to say, that's like, how many more years do you have left? I know what the video probably is. It's probably Bill attempting to do a downward-facing dog. <laughs> how much that would set civilization back to watch Bill Belichick trying to do some down dogs into cobras or something, you know? <laughs> Check theoretically, if the Patriots don't make the playoffs this year, which by the way is going to be a tough task for them, their division is really good this year. You still have Buffalo, the Jets, by all accounts, are primed to be a playoff team, if not a division winner. And the Miami Dolphins, if Tua, and I understand it's a big if, but if Tua can stay healthy, they're going to be really freaking good too. So the Pats may very well be the worst team in the league this year. And if that happens and they miss out on the playoffs again, that could be it for Bill. But we're also in a bit of a situation like with the end of the Tom Landry era in Dallas where those most responsible for making that decision, and by those, I mean that one guy, it being Robert Kraft, could have a hard time doing so because he realizes that Bill Belichick is – as responsible for anyone alongside with Tom Brady as handing him the keys to the football kingdom with all of the Super Bowls that they've won him this century. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I really do. Speaking of the Jets, are you sold on Aaron Rodgers, changed man? Like in the hard knocks, they made that dude look like Joe Montana. You know, off the field and just like it. Usually, hard knocks they focus on the guys who are on the borderline of making the team. Like that's the main focus. But it was all Rogers, and then mixed in with a little bit of everybody else. And you know, New York's such a tough market. I get it. He's one of the greatest of all time. But yo, we took me and Wags on Monday. We looked at their schedule. We talked about it. Their first four games. They could go 0-4 easily. Like, they got Buffalo Monday night. Then they got the Cowboys week two. Then they got the Patriots we just talked about. Then the Chiefs week four. Like, you could go 0-4 in September. Now, I want to bang on Aaron Rodgers to do that, but he is getting accustomed to a new team, trying to figure things out with brand-new guys. And then the NFL, as good as he is, that could still be very difficult didn't play much in the preseason, but I don't know. As many weapons as they have, it's still going to be tough for them to get to the Super Bowl where a lot of people are putting them. 
the Jets are interesting for a couple of reasons, and obviously Aaron Rodgers is on that list, but they've done a good job at the tops of drafts in these last few years. Like, I think Garrett Wilson is primed to come out as a top wide receiver in the NFL this year, and it does help that Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the football. And I think that bringing some of those guys over from Green Bay to take part in that receiving core is a big deal, too. Now, I think it was a mistake for them to trade Elijah Moore away, but that relationship was probably a little bit too broken to mend. And they have other guys that they do feel good about with the Jets. And the backfield has another level of intrigue with Brees Hall coming off of that knee injury. Seems like he's ready to go. But now you have Dalvin Cook in the backfield, too. And even though his explosiveness has gone down a little bit these last few years. He's still putting up the numbers, finishes over a thousand yards rushing, great at getting into the end zone too. So that is a a curious one-two punch. I wonder about their offensive line, but the aspect of the Jets that I think sets sets them up best for success this season is that defense, man. They are salty. Sauce Gardner is obviously a really good cornerback. Could he become one of the uh, the best corners in the NFL this year? I think that's a possibility. And I love Quentin Williams, man. He is he is a walking soundbite. One of the best interviews in the league. And oh, by the way, he's also a really freaking good defensive lineman too. So I think all of those things will put the Jets squarely in the mix for a division title with Buffalo. And, and if I were power ranking those uh, the four teams right now, I'd probably go Buffalo. Jets just below them. Dolphins just below the Jets, and a lot of that has to do with the uh, the injury question marks surrounding Tua and whether he really did take a lot away from the Bucky Godbolt school of falling correctly. And then the Patriots are dead last. I just I have no belief in them on offense. Bill O'Brien sucks. I hate Bill O'Brien. I'm not even a Texas <laughs> fan, but I hate Bill O'Brien and how he conducted his business. And I think that even though he was at Alabama last year, they're were some issues with how he was calling plays with that Crimson Tide football team. And people in Tuscaloosa were happy to see him go to the Patriots at season's end. Uh, so, the you know, it's we're at the beginning of the NFL season. There are so many different fun storylines. But you could just stay in the AFC East for 30 minutes, no problem, talking about all the curiosity that exists from those different teams. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, Zay, like – we're at a point with the Josh Allen tenure in Buffalo where it's time for them to really start putting up now. I don't know if that means making it to an AFC championship game or back to an AFC championship game or finding their way to the Super Bowl this year. But last year was a major disappointment for them in Buffalo. Yeah, that was definitely a disappointment. You know, I think the DeMar Hamlin situation derailed everything they had going on because just how can you focus on football when a situation like that is happening? And I think it showed. I also think that Brian Dayball, now the head coach of the New York Giants, who was once the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, him not being there last season was really why you saw Josh Allen struggle. I mean, Josh Allen, he was up there with Dak and lead leader interceptions. So he can't take the hits that he takes 
every single week. Now, at this point of his career, you're getting up there. Like, that dude will lower his shoulder on anybody. He is absolutely fearless, which is a big part of his charm and why he's so good. But also, once you start getting up there past year five and stuff, ask Lamar Jackson. Like, you got to be a lot smarter. Jalen Hurts, he's going to go through it. Justin Fields, he's going to go through it. We've seen it throughout every quarterback's life. Like, the running quarterbacks that start off, the Steve Youngs, the Mike Vicks in the world, those guys, they have to develop that arm more because those legs you're going to start losing the step or two as you age and as you take these hits so josh allen he's definitely going to have to focus on that but they also had a lot of guys that were injured on that defensive side both their safeties poyer and michael hyde like missed a lot of time i think michael hyde missed almost the whole season so that's a reason why Demar hamlin was out there playing he wasn't no starter he barely made the 53-man roster this year They have White as a corner, who's one of the most underrated corners. He missed a lot of time last season, too. So their defense, if it could, guys could stay healthy and they could get back to just causing havoc, they could easily still win the East. But those Jets, man, they're coming. You mentioned Quentin Williams, who I love. I never thought that he would be this good coming out of Alabama. And thank God Alabama ain't got no dudes like that. So the the Texas Longhorns are going to see this week because Quentin Williams, he deserved to get paid all that money he got. C.J. Mosley, the linebacker, that dude, one of the best leaders in the NFL, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. If you watch Hard Knocks, he's always breaking them down. He's always, you know, you can just tell he's that alpha male on the defensive side. And you mentioned Sauce Gardner. Yo, that dude's already one of the best corners in the league. He was first team all pro last season defensive rookie of the year at 6-3 like he's different man and that's what you're seeing with the corners nowadays him and Tyreek Woolen who came out of UTSA now playing with Seattle these big 6-3 6-4 corners over 200 pounds like Sark is starting to get guys like that I think Malik Muhammad you know who has a ton of upside he's around six foot with longer arms than probably his height Ryan Watts like that's where the game's going You know, these wide receivers, they're just too good with the way the rules are based and, you know, made for the offense. You got to find any advantage you can. So getting those big time corners into the 40 acres and that's what you're starting to see around the NFL. So that's a big reason why Sauce Gardner is so talented. But yeah, I. I feel bad for Tua. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy that can stay healthy for multiple seasons. I hope he is, but his stature, he's not the biggest guy. And, you know, he definitely didn't go to that Bucky Gobble school for falling. Like, how the hell are you going to be able to teach a school for falling when you're one of the worst fallers of all time, Bucky? Come on, man. There were so many times where we were at the other place and it was 5 a.m. and I would walk in and this dude was gimpy and holding his back. I was like, what happened? He, oh, I slept on a rock coming up the stairs and stuff like that. Oh, I slipped outside messing with the dogs and gardening and stuff. Like, Buck, you shouldn't be teaching anybody how to fall, my guy. Nobody. So to, uh, just like Odell Beckham Jr., he ain't replying back to the email that you sent him. But if Tua could stay on his feet, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, 
the fastest wide receivers in the NFL history together. Like those dudes, somebody's going to be open. You can't double team both of them. Somebody's going to be open. So, yeah, that Miami team, it's scary, but it all depends on Tua. Yeah, this guy's sick. Apparently, the Dolphins had Tua go through Brazilian jiu-jitsu and take part in Brazilian jiu-jitsu training to help him learn how to use his body in a positive way when he's going to the ground. But here's the problem with that, though, Zay. You can do that on a mat in Brazilian jiu-jitsu where a dude lets up when you tap. That's probably a dude that's similar in size to who you are. You're talking about 250, 290, 300-plus pound defensive linemen who are bearing down on you, coming full speed. And they're not looking to lock up with you in a way that allows you to kind of roll on your back and then, you know, roll around like you're at recess. They're they're (laughs) who hurt you. So just keep that in mind. I hope it works for him. Like Tua has a ton of athleticism and and natural potential as a quarterback. Obviously, he proved that as, as Alabama. And he is the best option for them at quarterback in Miami. No question. Who's the uh, the backup there now? Is the the kid who was formerly at um, in New York with the Jets? He started the game. Uh, Mike something. Mike White, yeah. Mike White, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike White. Backup there now. So could Mike White come in and get the job done? Maybe. That's how good Tyreek Hill and uh, and Jalen Waddle are there right now. I mean, we saw Skylar Thompson. He wasn't good by any means. But those guys still got theirs just because they're that good. And at some point, you just have to get them the ball in a little bit of space and let them do their thing. Yeah, I love Tua's arm, man. There's something about the soft paw that can sling it the way he does. I used to love Mark Brunel in those early Jacksonville Jaguars days when they first came to the NFL. But, yeah, if they can keep him healthy and he can stay healthy, then the Dolphins, they're as scary as anybody. All right, Trey, the Dallas Cowboys have so much expectation this season. How could they not? They were so close last year. You know, they took the 49ers all the way to the end. If Tony Pollard doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens? We know Dak threw those interceptions, but it wasn't all Dak's fault in 2022. Mike McCarthy, he's calling the shots now. You bring in Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore. I got the Cowboys winning the NFC East this season. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to take a step back. Like Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. Where's he at now? Head coach, Indianapolis coach. Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator for the Eagles last year. Where he at now? Cussing his ass off in Arizona, trying to get them not to tank. So that's some big changes that both sides are going to have to get used to. I know you brought in Jalen Carter, who's been an absolute beast in training camp and coming from Georgia, was supposed to be the number one pick if he wasn't driving. And you still got Hassan Reddick and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. You still got a lot of dudes, but Gardner Johnson, he's off to Detroit. Hargrave is off to San Francisco. You know, on the other side, is Jalen Hurts going to be able to do what he did last year without, uh, you know, Shane Steichen. I don't know. They're still going to be good, but I think the Cowboys are going to be a little bit better due to all that Philadelphia loss. Maybe, but you also have Mike McCarthy calling plays for you on offense. You're the Cowboys, and that doesn't seem like it's going to bode well. 
And you also have Jerry Jones reminding everybody a couple of days ago that he is still Jerry Jones. And even though it felt like they had gotten a better handle on him going rogue with the decisions that he was making for the franchise and the name of improving the team when the reality was is that he was making the team worse, that not only does he still have it in him, he's still willing to execute in that regard too with Jerry admitting yeah, I didn't need to ask anybody else. I went ahead and made the trade for Trey Lance. I had all the information in front of me, and so I made it happen within five minutes. That should worry you, Cowboys fans. And I don't think that Jerry will clutch to Mike McCarthy nearly as hard as he did Jason Garrett, allowing Garrett to stick around as the head coach there for too long. I think the Cowboys missed the playoffs this year. It's a pretty cut-and-try decision for him. But if they make the playoffs and maybe win another first-round matchup but lose in the second round, is that satisfactory this year? Like you got rid of Zeke this offseason, who a lot of people felt like was standing in the way of Tony Pollard becoming a superstar at running back. Even though Pollard's coming off of a serious injury, it seems like he's ready to go. Personally, I'm rooting for Deuce Vaughn. I hope Deuce makes a major impact. I think he has the potential to, and we saw some evidence of that in the preseason. But Dak is... At an age now with a couple years left on the contract where it's time for him to really put the proof into the results and not only win regular season games, but win more playoff games now too. You feel pretty good about the receiving core. And defensively, you have a guy who's arguably the best defensive player in the league with Micah Parsons. Trevon Diggs, one of the top cornerbacks in the league, maybe a slight step back last year, but he's still really good. And the rest of that defense looks like it is primed for success this year. So it's a bit of a Texas Longhorns predicament, right? Where the defense looks salty as fuck. It's like, can the offense do enough of its job to win games against some of the better competition on your schedule? I think the potential is there, but I also don't really have faith in Mike McCarthy being the guy to lead them there either. Yeah, and Big Mike, Aaron Rodgers ain't Dak. And Aaron Rodgers covered up a lot when Big Mike was having success up there at Green Bay. So, yeah, I get you saying that, absolutely. But every coach's dream, which it's rare that this happens, especially in NFL, but the Cowboys, they have as good a chance as anybody in the league. You want to say that our roster is so good and deep, sometimes coaching mistakes, the roster will overcome that. And I think that could be where they're at. You mentioned Trayvon Diggs taking a step back last year. Well, you know how you help him? Bring in Stephon Gilmore, former defensive player of the year on that other side. And, you know, Michael Parsons, we saw Nick Bosa got paid today, 170 mil. Michael Parsons going to get his paper too. So he knows that it's coming. I expect him to have a defensive player of the year-like season. I know in Vegas he's picked to win it. Like, that dude is an absolute problem. But, yeah, Trey, it does come down to Mike McCarthy and the play calling. And can Dak Prescott be on the same page as that? And I'm with you about Deuce Vaughn, too. Like, Deuce Vaughn, I remember when our guy from the chaos theory, Adam Wagner, when he put us on the Deuce because he was covering those Cedar Ridge games once upon a time. And we were like, dude, ain't no way there's a dude over there that's five foot five dominating the game that you think is going to dominate on the next level. Wags was right. That dude went on to Kansas State and put on a show, and he gave himself a chance. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, he only got this chance because his dad works there. BS. 
that's such bullcorn. Like that dude deserved that 53 man spot. And I think they're going to have to put the ball in his hands, whether that's, you know, certain situations on offense, but kick and punt return. I mean, that's how Darren Sproles made his living for 10 plus years, which that's who you obviously compare Deuce Vaughn to, both of those guys coming from Manhattan. But yeah, man, the Cowboys, they have everything this year. Like you got back-to-back 12 win seasons. Why not now? Like this is this is it. Like why not now? Because you're going to have to pay Michael Parsons too uh, soon. I like Curse. And the secondary, he's a hard-hitting safety. They have one of the top secondaries, again, with Stephon Gilmore in the league. And, yeah, this defense, they can't be very stingy. But if Big Mike and Dak aren't on the same page, then they can look at themselves the same situations that they had in the last two seasons. Yeah, we had really good 12-win seasons, but losing in the first and second round, that can't happen no more. And even though that's good for other teams, for a team like this with this roster, Cowboys, they got to make it to at least the NFC Championship. Cowboys are going to look a little bit different in that receiving core this year. Say, obviously, you still have CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, hopefully back for a fully healthy season. Started the year in last year. Never really looked like we've come to expect from Michael Gallup through his first few years with this franchise, but the addition of Brandon cooks was an interesting one. He was a guy who had to be the number one dude for the Texans. These last few years, two years ago, he was good last year was injury riddled. And then also him being slighted just a little bit where he asked to be traded to a contender and the Texans just kind of sat on him and unfortunate for him. But then again, he also didn't play very much down the stretch either. So he ended up making a business decision and they've also, Got some uh, different tight ends right now, too. Speaking of those Texans, uh, Dalton Schultz now catching passes for the Texans who are uh, going to be going with Jake Ferguson and Luke Schoonmaker at tight end this year. So uh, for fantasy guys out there, Ferguson, Jake Ferguson is one of those dudes who is being targeted in the later rounds as a potential gem of a find in the final five or so rounds of fantasy drafts. But if he is able to do something similar to Dalton Schultz, that'll go a long ways and this Cowboys offense to not really miss a beat. Yeah, I think Jake Ferguson has a ton of potential, which I think it was very easy knowing that the tight end room is better than what you think to let Dalton Schultz go because we know him and Dak had very good chemistry out there. And yeah, I mean, we'll see. This is, again, big time year for the Cowboys and a lot's at stake. So, hey, can Dak get it done? Can Dak be the next quarterback to win a Super Bowl since Troy Aikman. I don't know. That's some big shoes to fill, but hey, you play for America's team for a reason. All right, Trey, before I go, stay tuned for Trey and Kevin Dunn coming up after this. My man Trey, Travis Hunter-Elling, doing it big. Sean Payton. Sean Payton's changed a lot since his New Orleans days. Like, he's I don't know, but they haven't even played a game yet. And he's ripping the bong. He's talking shit about Nathaniel Hackett. And now what he said about his quarterback, Russell Wilson, 
He said, will you fucking stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for office. That's what he told the people and also he told Russell Wilson. Um, I get it, but... This is a criticism of Russell Wilson going back to Seattle, by the way, where his teammates were critical of him like this, but a coach saying it is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, with the Nathaniel Hackett situation, you saw that Sean Payton was trying to back up his team and his quarterback. Like, yo, last year, I know Russell looked very bad, and I know he got a lot of criticism, but it was this. This was the reason. And that's why he threw everything in Nathaniel Hackett. And if you're Russell Wilson, I guess psychologically you could look at that as, oh, this guy has my back. But then you say this, you know, and I get it, Russell – He's done some very suspect things as of late. You know, just because you're with Sierra, she's got the goodies, don't mean, you know, you could just coast and you just think you're cool. Like you, everybody's like, oh, this cool, this dude's got his cool card back. He with Sierra. How can he not be cool? And then you do all the corny stuff, like the workout on the plane and the let's ride, all that bullshit. Like that, that stuff just so unauthentic. And if, I think that's what Sean Payne is trying to say here. Like, all this extra stuff, stop. Just focus on being an NFL. You don't have to do all the extra stuff. You're already being extra by being with a celebrity woman as your wife. Like, everybody talks about him raising baby future, which I know you might be a little against, you know, what's going on now. But baby future is the son of Future the Rapper, which his lyrics are very explicit. I I mean, I have to break it down because you're the same guy that didn't know who Meg the Stallion was, which is an absolute catastrophe. But we won't get into that. I'll let you live on that front. Is she a Burger King endorser? Is that who Megan the Stallion is? Popeye's. Popeye's endorser. I know... know No, the Burger King... Thanks to you, I know that she is a musician. I forget if it's a singer or rapper, but I know she is a musician. Dog, she's a rapper. She's from Houston, and she's changed the world. With her rump shaking, her lyrics, everything that she's going on, the fact that you don't know who Meg Thee Stallion is, come on, man, you're better than that. Come on, come on. You, you. Yes, rump shaking, yes. You could go watch Meg Thee Stallion twerk videos right now. Some of the best twerking I've ever seen. All right, I'm looking up Megan the Stallion twerk. We're gonna yeah, look it up, look it up. But yeah, Russell Wilson, get back to just football, trying to be as real as you can, and your team will ride behind you. Your team, they'll fight for you. But if he does what he did last year, then yo, they might have the worst record in the AFC West again. All right, hold on a second here. Yeah, pull it up. Pull it up. <laughs> Stallion. Working. Will you die? Here we go. All right. Oh, it's Tory Lanes. You should be in jail for life. The Stallion. Okay, I'm not sure which, which of these young ladies is Megan the Stallion here. But let me get the... All right, let me get the, the share screen up because we got to share this with the people, of course. All right, here we go. What's up, hotties? It's the hot girl coach back again, giving y'all part two of Ibiza. 
I just saw, I promise and goddamn, bitch, you giving cuties, tangerine, come on, man. oranges, pumpkin, bitch, melons, simply orange, goddamn, the whole produce section, bitch, whatever you wanted, I got it, we got all the flavors. <laughs> yeah, let's go outside right quick and fuck <laughs> I've got to stop this right now. What is going on here? Which one of these is these young ladies is Megan the Stallion? I want to say that's her right there in, with the blue bikini. Okay. Yeah, that looks like her. I, I need to figure out how to uh, to mute that video because I didn't I didn't want to hear the uh, I didn't want to hear the play by play there. Why don't you just go to YouTube? All oh, hip hop. What are you on? It's like a bootleg world star. What is this? I don't know, dude. I just looked up. <laughs> Megan the Stallion twerk. All right. Watch Megan the tw- Stallion twerk with Master Chief from Halo. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to try this one now. Oh, you're you're still on this video too. <laughs> You need to watch it on your off time. Make sure your wife isn't around because she might get the wrong idea. But, yeah, she's special. She's special. I'll take your word for it. Absolutely, man. Well, I don't know. Is K-Dunn in the house, man? I've got to send him the link right now. Give, Give me just one sec here. Okay. All right. Chip will be back tomorrow. He will be doing the show from Tuscaloosa. So... Hopefully, he has Wi-Fi good enough to do the show. The guys, Trey and BK, will be out at Covert tomorrow with Bucky and Michael Griffith, who still owes me $1,000. I will never let that go until I get paid or until I have $1,000 worth of cupcakes. What? What does he owe you 1000 bucks for? Oh, yeah, ask him. When you see him, ask him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in 06, the year I guess he got drafted, maybe 07. 07, the year he got drafted, Mike was big shit. So Mike was, you know, trying to throw the money around. And he came back to the ATX and he hooped with us, played some pickup basketball. So Mike, you know, wanted to talk and throw his money around and show off and stuff. And your boy was around 15 years old. So he was like, yo. And again, I'm not no Vince Carter. I'm not Dominique Wilkins. I could dunk in my day, but I wasn't throwing anything down nasty. And Mike knew that. So he bet me a grand to go dunk the ball. And if I do, it had to be with two hands clean. Ah, two hands clean, just simple dunk. If I go up and do that, I get the grand. I go up, I grab the rim and the ball goes in. But the definition of a dunk definitely wasn't that. And of course, Mike reneged. So I never got my thousand, which would have went a long way for me. Now it's still going a long way for me. But then, oh, six, teenage day, yo, the type of stunting and showing off I would have done at school. And now, of course, he he didn't even give me 500. Like I made the basket. It went in. So at least give me half. But I haven't had a free cupcake. I haven't had nothing. You know him and Arakpo got the GG's gig. Like, I haven't had nothing. It's been 15 something years. You had to dunk it though. It went in. I hung on the rim. It just rattled a little bit. It just, you know, it wasn't the cleanest, but it some will count that as a dunk. Look, 
Yeah. And the everyone gets a trophy culture that we currently reside in. Yeah, I guess it does get considered a dunk by some, but I know you better than that. <laughs> and I know what Cece would say, whether or not that was a dunk also. He'd say, hell no, that wasn't a dunk. It was a dunk attempt that wasn't pulled off cleanly. So yeah. I give you a cupcake as a sort of peace offering, but even half of that, no, 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 no. Michael Griffin does not owe you anything for a failure. Yeah. And you would think Cece would have my back because, oh, $1,000 in my kid's pocket? Now I don't have to give him money whenever he asks for it. Like, my parents did a terrific job taking care of me. I had a very blessed life, but Cece is cheap than a mug. He is a cheap dude. I got it from him. I appreciate that from him. Anything that I have to pay for, I'm definitely going to have to look into a lot because I am cheap just like my pops. So I knew it would have benefited everybody, and he ain't fight for me at all. He, oh, that's weak, too. That's weak. That's weak. Everybody, oh, that's weak. This and that. Like, it went in. The ball went in. I hung on the rim. It just wasn't as clean as it should have been, Close only matters, as uh, our colleague Brian Jones used to say, close only matters with horseshoes and hand grenades. It do, it, that doesn't count. You didn't dunk it. You almost dunked it. Yeah. And it sucks because I can never even get close to doing that now. So it's not like we can run it back or right. anything. Like I might tear my ACL or something or be like KD and slip and bust my ass. Like I, yeah, those days are over. Well, yeah, congratulations to you. The closest I ever came to dunking was a tennis ball. And now if I were to try that, I'm in decent shape for 45. If I were to try that now, I would I would blow my back, my knees, my ankles, and my hips out. <laughs> yeah. But the, the volleyball in you, though, that should make you more bouncy, right? I'm a better two-footed dr- jumper than I was when I played basketball, but my strongest ability to get up is one-legged. And so that is not as good as it was. So can I touch the rim two-footed now? I can. But jump the basketball, that's because I can't grip it. The women's ball, I cannot grip the men's ball, though. That's weird. Uh, that much higher in order to actually throw the ball down. There's no chance that I would dunk the basketball. I might be able to get nine and a half. Okay, that's not bad. I mean, Kevin Dunn calls BS, so I'm gonna have the role of K Dunn. Yeah, know, no, I mean, it just, I mean, I mean, Zay. Like, anytime someone tells me they're a two footed jumper, <laughs> you ain't jumping. <laughs> we all have one leg we jump off. If, if, if you could really jump back in the day, if yo. You, if you train your jump, if you train to jump two footed, you can actually get more. You can get more air, but. Who the hell is doing that when you're a teenager? Fair. Yeah. Yo, Vince Carter was a two-foot jumper, so... Yeah. Well, none of us are Vince Carter. I got news for us. <laughs> That's, <laughs> true. Best dunker, That's true. Best dunker with Dominique in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Dominique. He threw it down for us. Yep. Great job, guys. guys. See you, Zay. Pleasure, Zay. Thanks, Trey. See you, Kevin. Have a good show. See you, Zay.